you, it's about being creative about what you're going to ask for right now. Right. So, you know, like we asked for space and then from one of our other um, board members, we said, Hey, like, do you guys have any furniture? And you know, some organizations are downsizing their offices because they need to create space for social distancing. So they're mm-hmm. trying to get rid of a lot of furniture. So, you know, kind of like asking for those small things that it's not monetary, but it's saving you a lot of money. Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Changemaker. My name is Holly Rustic and I'm podcast host of Grant Writing and Funding. Thank you so much for stopping by. And I help changemakers grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. To do that, I coach you with systems so that you can become a freelance consultant and 10x results all from the comfort of your own home. In today's podcast, Samantha Taitsuno, Executive Director of Menetlu, formerly Big Brothers Big Sisters of Guam, is going to give you strategic hacks on how to rethink fundraising to grow funding in 2020. We have a great conversation and she touches on time management for productivity, strategic planning tips, hacks on getting creative for fundraising strategies, and also discusses some HR challenges while wearing all the hats in a small nonprofit. This podcast is definitely for you if you are an executive director or manager who wears many hats, or if you're a freelance grant writer or nonprofit consultant who works with many small to medium-sized nonprofits. This episode actually covers a lot of people. Many nonprofits I've worked at or have worked with have these types of challenges. So I was super happy to have Samantha on the program because I know she does a great job on planning and executing. I actually met Sam two years ago when she first attended a workshop of mine. So I'm actually going to read her testimony. She sent me a testimony and I thought, oh, this is nice because it kind of shows our background together. But she says, quote, After attending one of Holly's two-day courses, I knew I had to jump on the opportunity to take her beta nonprofit strategic planning course. She has a wealth of experience and knowledge, and her courses are organized, comprehensive, and provide you with resources that you can take with you and use for years to come. Holly's nonprofit strategic planning course assisted our organization successfully to disaffiliate from a national organization and create the groundwork for a completely local program that continues to grow and thrive. Thank you, Holly, for continuing to put out courses and resources to assist nonprofits to successfully work towards their missions. And that, once again, is from Samantha Titanow. All right, so we are going to talk to her today. She is, and thank you, Samantha, for that amazing testimony. You're amazing. And you did. She took the beta nonprofit strategic planning course, which is fantastic, which gave me tips to up-level the course that is now available to all of you. So she was one of the founding members of that. So it's super cool. And just as a side note, uh, the $100 June discount ends June 30th, so almost now, at midnight Eastern Standard Time. So please check out www.grantwritingandfunding.com for more information to secure your 20% discount. And also, if you just want to listen to more podcasts on strategic planning for nonprofits, definitely check out podcast episodes 124 to 127, um, as the month of June has been dedicated to giving you strategic planning resources so you can get prepared now, right? We're at the halfway mark, guys. We're almost, you know, 
we're midway through 2020, so now is the time to reevaluate, revise, and realign so you can meet your goals. All right, so let's get into this week's episode and interview with Samantha. So you're going to get some great golden nuggets of knowledge to decrease your overwhelm, implement creative strategies, and even some ideas on marketing and board creation. So she really touches a lot because she does wear many hats, right? As an executive director at a small nonprofit, like she does a lot. So it's really great to see all the different things that they're doing and how they're taking planning to really be able to do things strategically and do it well. All right, guys. So without further ado, here's Samantha. All right. So today I have with me a special guest and I'm really excited about her. Um, We've known each other for about two years now. So it's been, I was actually thinking about that. I was like, wow, it's been two years um, in July. So yeah. So anyways, I am really excited. We've known each other for a long time. I've seen her grow her nonprofit. So you're going to hear from an executive director today, somebody that's really been able to reshape a nonprofit and do amazing things in the community. And this is none other than Miss Samantha Titaneau. So thank you so much for being on the show with me today, Samantha. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So just to give you guys a little background, I'm going to go ahead and read her bio. Uh, Samantha Titano is the executive director of Manalu, a nonprofit organization that empowers and educates youth and families to change their lives for the better. She has been with the organization since 2018, so yep, two years ago, and successfully led the rebranding of the organization from Big Brothers Big Sisters of Guam. So a lot of you guys know Big Brothers and Big Sisters, so that was the chapter here to Manalu. To date, Samantha has worked to secure over 500,000 half mil guys in grant funding, which led to the expansion of the portfolio of services that you guys manage. So awesome. Congrats to you. And prior to her start, of course, Samantha worked to develop experiences, reinforcing her desire to assist local communities to develop capacity and understand technology. While with the Peace Corps, she worked to enrich the lives of rural communities in South Africa. Samantha later returned home to Guam, where she developed corporate experience with a private organization developing IT solutions. During her spare time, she enjoys spending time connecting to her island home and exploring destinations near and far. So thank you so much for being on the show, Samantha. I'm super excited to have you. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's always interesting hearing the bio and being like, oh yeah, I did those things. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that you were in the Peace Corps in Africa. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really neat. So Where in Africa were there, you? Um, so I was um, there in South Africa, mm-hmm. um, the Republic of South Africa, and I was um, in the kind of Northwest um, province oh, nice. there. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. How did you enjoy that? Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it kind of reignited like my passion for community work. Um, mm-hmm. Growing up, I was part of organizations that did a lot of community service work. And then um, some for some reason, I'd always been interested in the Peace Corps. So after um, graduating from college, um, I decided to just sort of apply and see what happens. Um, because um, it was, you know, known to be more of a competitive process. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, so it's always like kind of nerve wracking, like, Oh, am I going to be accepted or not? Um, but I just applied and then, um, it was actually a pretty quick process. Um, I think like within a year I was going out to South Africa Wow. and, uh, yeah, so I was a community development Mm -hmm. and education volunteer. And um, so I was based in a school where 
I pretty much kind of did exactly what I'm doing today, um, mm -hmm. except more of like a grassroots approach where um, I started a youth organization for in-school and out-of-school youth. So in-school youth, it was to really encourage them to continue on. Mm -hmm. uh, the village that I lived in, uh, there wasn't a high school uh, close by, so they would have to take a bus for like an hour or two to kind of the next village in order to go to high school. So it kind of discouraged a lot of kids from going. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so it was really about, you know, promoting them to continue their education. And then for the out-of-school youth, it was really, what are, what are your next steps going to be? You know, are you going to take the college route? Are you going to go um, more into like a technical training? Or are you going to, uh, you know, look at different job opportunities? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's really, really cool. Yeah. And just bridging that, like what you do today. So in 2018, then you're back here on Guam and you're like, okay, now you're the executive director at a new organization. And they're like, we're rebranding completely, like not just changing the name. It's not just a name change, right? It's a total redirect. Um, but, you know, trying to also say we're still continuing our mission, but we're doing it more locally. So um, can you kind of talk about like what the reason was behind that direction or that pivot, if you will? Okay, so um, yes, and before I started in 2018, there'd been a lot of discussions about uh, disaffiliating from Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was because we're um, a much smaller operation and um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America has been doing a lot of um, changes in their own organization and in their structure. And so um, kind of the requirements that they were asking of us just like didn't match sort of the program that we were, um, that we have. And it was sort of more towards uh, larger cities that have a lot, a lot of larger population. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And so, uh, you know, we were, they had been talking about it. And when I had come in, I had kind of reassessed everything. And, you know, there was also a, you know, a large uh, financial kind of uh, investment into Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America to maintain the affiliation. Uh, so, you know, kind of looking at that and, and looking at the program of itself, you know, with the board, we decided, you know, let's just localize the program. We're gonna keep our one-to-one -one mentoring program. We have staff that's been on board, you know, for a long time and can kind of help us, you know, transition over all of our case management systems to something more localized. And then also, um, you know, since, uh, since we first started, we've really added on a ton of different programs. So, mm -hmm. Uh, we do after-school activities in some of the public housing areas. Uh, we also have the Micronesian Resource Center one-stop shop. So uh, that's one of our programs that's really targeted to helping families who are migrating from the freely associated states as they you know, transition to their new life here. So we provide informational and educational resources and workshops to those families to help them integrate. And so kind of just looking at the scope of work that we do, you know, it's, ex it's expanded way beyond one-to-one -one mentoring. Mm -hmm. So it just sort of made sense to, you know, um, disaffiliate and to, you know, really cater all of our programs to our local community. Right. And is there, when you run a chapter of a big organization like that, I mean, what is the percentage normally or the fees that you, you know, have to keep up with in order to keep that um, affiliation? Yeah. So um, 
know the amount. I don't know what percentage mm -hmm. that is. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, let's just say it was a significant amount that, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, it's kind of, you know, helped us to keep a larger amount of our donations here. So right. um, we do get grant funding for a lot of our programs, but those programs, um, you know, that funding doesn't pay, doesn't assist us in um, paying for our affiliation fees. Mm. Um, and for like the case management so mm -hmm. a lot more of the local donations that we receive now go into the programs that we do instead of paying for the name right right now that makes sense um you know and i've talked to quite a few nonprofits, and the same thing if they're connected to a large national you know organization and it's really tremendous and they all vary depending on you know how much what that percentage is right or whatever that um partnership kind of commitment is um but yeah I, i'm always surprised at how large it is and how much money actually doesn't stay in local areas but they have that name so it's kind of like you have to figure out does it make sense can we bring in more money by utilizing the name but keep a smaller percentage is that small percent still bigger because of that name right that sort of thing and do we get the support from the national organization but I think, you know, it sounds like for you guys, it's like, well, we're changing the scope. We're outgrowing the mission of Big Brothers, Big Sisters. So we need to relook at this and almost form a new nonprofit using our existing partnerships and establishments, right? So, um, yes. And, yeah. and like you mentioned, you know, it's it was really also about, you know, tapping into our stakeholders, our donors, mm -hmm. you know, our community partners that have been with us since the beginning and kind of, you know, explaining to them, you know, why our why we were making that decision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was, it was really wonderful to get a lot of overwhelming support from, you know, our partners, our donors that were saying, oh, okay, like, you know, that sounds amazing to, to localize the program and, you know, really telling people that, you know, 100% of our funding is now staying here on Guam and isn't isn't being sent back to the states for anything you know it it really kind of resonated with them and it's like okay like you know they want you know a lot of businesses here want to see the money that they donate and put into an organization stay here and help the actual community instead of sort of going back to um a affiliate right yeah no that makes total sense so there might be some of you guys listening or watching out there that are wondering that right in the same position so um maybe you can kind of walk us through how to do that process and i know um just going back to how we connected we we first connected like i said it was almost exactly two years ago so i remember i was doing the, my liberation days <laughs> we had for guam there's liberation dates also in july but it's later in the month and so yeah so we met there and that's when that you were just starting at the time or you had just started recently is that correct yeah. in that position and I yeah. know, you, yeah, so um, you came to that to kind of figure out, to get a framework, right, for what you're doing um, for the nonprofit strategic planning. And were you, um, and actually, if you guys, any of you guys are out there taking the course, thanks, Samantha, because she was in my beta group, so gave a lot of feedback on how I updated that course. So I appreciate you doing that. That yeah. was fun. <laughs> so um, I had actually taken, it was like maybe like a couple months prior to the nonprofit uh, strategic planning program. Mm -hmm. I had taken, I think what you're like one or two day courses of, mm -hmm. uh, I forget, I think there was like grant writing, grant writing. 101 and, mm -hmm. and, you know, like the health of your nonprofit and stuff. And, you know, I really liked all the, I really liked, um, 
first of all, the workshops, but then all of the sort of materials that went along with it. It was all like very organized and very helpful in, you know, kind of mapping everything out. So then um, when you had kind of presented the beta nonprofit strategic planning program, I was excited to hop on. I was just like, okay, we're just about to kind of do this whole rebranding thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, like I, I could definitely use um, the information in this course to, to kind of, you know, reassess everything that we have already and that we're kind of changing and updating. Um, and, you know, just to kind of start off this, you know, new organization uh, strong. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember because you said you were doing it with your board and I said, oh, that's fantastic. You're like doing the lessons every week because we'd meet every week and you yeah. were doing the lessons along with them and getting their feedback. And I think that's so vital to have the support of your board. So I'm really excited that you had that and you were able to go through this process. So was that actually why you were hired on was to help with the transition or was it something when you stepped in, you said, you know what, we really need to look at this. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Um, so actually I... Um, it was something that they had already been talking about, but um, the previous executive director had taken a different position somewhere else. So they were just kind of in need of a new executive director, mm-hmm. but also like it was like very clear when I was being hired that this is quite, going to be an expectation that, right. you know, we've been talking about and we've been looking at disaffiliating from Big mm-hmm. Brothers Big Sisters of America. Um, you know, we're going to need your help with, with this. Right, right. So was that kind of, um, was it, were you excited about it or a little overwhelmed or like, how were you like, okay, I can do this. Like, you know, when you step um, in. I'm, so, I mean, it's always exciting to kind of be part of something new and yeah. help in the shaping of something new. So it was a very exciting kind of to come on knowing that this was an opportunity to, to revitalize the organization. Um, and then sort of when I first started, um, the previous executive director had already taken that new position. So I was kind of like, okay, this is where the files are, <laughs> you know? So thrown was, in it. <laughs> yeah, I was thrown in it. So it was a, it was a huge uh, learning process, you know, just one discovering where to find the files. And then, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, um, I, I didn't have any, you know, I had experience volunteering and like being a Peace Corps volunteer. Um, I was a big sister with the program before oh, nice. I took on the executive director position. I've volunteered with other nonprofit organizations, uh, but this is sort of like my, my first time being an executive director and being in charge of a nonprofit. Mm. So um, there was just a ton of things to learn you know we hold a lot of grants mm-hmm. um and so it was you know every grant has a different invoicing process a different you know right. submission process so really learning kind of all of those things as i went was you know it was interesting it was fun i'm never bored so um you know it, it's been yeah. exciting that's quite impressive. Yeah. And you've done the, a lot of the grant writing too, right? So you're really, and grant managing kind of, and I'm sure this resonates with a lot of you guys out there, like wearing a lot of hats, right? As executive director. 
So yes, especially because, you know, we're a small nonprofit. Um, I wear all of the management hats (laughs) in one. So um, yeah, so I had done a little bit of grant writing previously. um, But now, you know, when grant season comes around, it's, um, you know, I do all of the grant writing, of course, I get, you know, help um, with edits and everything from board members and then also from you know other others in the community who want to, to see us thrive um, and the grant management so I mean it, it's it's fun learning everything though you know and mm-hmm. and I really feel like you know it gives you a, a good idea about how your organization runs like kind of being ha- being forced to do everything yeah. So, you know, you learn the nuts and bolts of everything. So when a volunteers or interns come on, you can kind of direct because you know what's happening or you know what the expectations are, which that's yeah. definitely a plus, right, for that. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys get a lot of volunteers and interns that come in to help out? Um, we, we get some interns, mm-hmm. um, but we do get a lot of volunteers. So all of our mentors are volunteers. Oh, nice. And then also um, we have, you know, well, previ- previously, mm-hmm. <laughs> we had site activities um, daily at the different um, public housing areas and at, at DYA. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would get volunteers who would come out. Um, sometimes they would be military groups. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes they would just be high school students who were looking for service learning hours. So mm, Right, right, right. Okay, great. So how have you, so when you were transitioning then into like, okay, I need to relook at this. I'm working with a board who's totally, you know, this is what their objective is to reframe this. Like what, how did you start, you know, and how did you kind of like guide that whole process as far as what needed to get done, what needed to be looked at or examined or tracked and all of that fun stuff? (laughs) How'd you do it? (laughs) Okay. Well, Luckily, mm-hmm. Big Brothers Big Sisters of America has like a disaffiliation process already. Nice. So okay. I um, I took kind of their disaffiliation process and then just broke it down into a further detailed action plan, mm-hmm. um, just so that um, I knew all of the tasks that needed to be done. Um, mm-hmm. And then of course more research. And then um, when I took your course, it kind of gave me also, you know, um, some other ideas to think about, you know, so I had the disaffiliation plan from Big Brothers Big Sisters that really kind of gave me the, you know, mm-hmm. these are the, the different steps that you need to take um, mm-hmm. with the government and with us and then sort of your plan kind of, you know, and this is how you make sure that you're doing things healthy. Oh, nice. Nonprofit, you know, mm-hmm. so kind of using both of those. And then, of course, you know, creating, you know, lots of Googling of things, um, mm-hmm. especially when it comes when it came to the rebranding. So mm-hmm. I have a little bit of background in marketing, but more on the design side. And so, you know, I kind of knew like, OK, these are like the small things. But, you know, I, I went to Google and was like rebranding guide for companies and, you know, <laughs> pick and chose from like different plans and I was like, okay, this makes sense for what we're doing. This doesn't. So just really looking at, I mean, your rebranding, it's beautiful and we'll definitely have it in the show notes. If you guys want to check it out. Um, Really it's, you know, it identifies, uh, it resonates locally. It's just as beautiful. And, and I know that when you guys really started and you still continue to do this is you also have a heavy, um, kind of, you know, hand in doing a lot of social media. So do you want to talk about how you guys have done that and what's really worked best for your nonprofit? 
Yes. So um, we knew that social media was going to be super important. That's where everybody is nowadays. Everybody is on their phone. Um, you know, depending on your age, it's going to be Facebook, right. Instagram, Twitter, you know, TikTok. Um, but we decided to really just focus on Facebook and Instagram because for the staff that we have, that was kind of the the, the knowledge base we had. So we knew, you know, we know that there's people on different platforms, but we wanted to just be strong on the platforms that we knew we could handle. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, uh, we've created brand guidelines, but you know, it, it's just really about filling out what you want to present to the public. You know, we, we mm -hmm. wanted everyone to know, Hey, you know, we used to be big brothers, big sisters of Guam. We're Manietlu now. You know, mm -hmm. these are these are the small changes that we've made, but you know, you know, these are the the core values that we still have. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we really highlight in our um, social media is kind of really highlighting the families that we work with. So we don't use any stock photos. It's like it's photos of the kids and the families that we work with daily. Mm -hmm. um, things like that, you know, we want to make sure that all of the messages that we're putting out are positive. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the, the key things that we do with our social media. Uh, we also want to make sure that if we're putting out informative posts, that it makes sense to, you know, the mission and the values and the demographic that we're targeting. Right. So and we'll do like a lot of, you know, tips on being a good mentor or, you know, how, you know, one of the things I think we did during the beginning of COVID was, you know, how do you talk to your kids about, you know, what's changing in the world right now? So, oh, cool. you know, just making sure that um, we're not just uh, tagging on what's kind of popular right now or what's trending, but, you know, making sure that if it's aligned with our organization, our mission, and our values. Mm -hmm. And I love that because you always go back to those. And I think that's what, you know, it's, it, so it makes everything very clear, your messaging very clear. So whenever I see you guys on Instagram or on Facebook, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's always clear. I see exactly who you are. You know what I mean? So I know like your logo, it's very unique. And then your colors are always the same, your font styles, like you're very consistent with your branding. And like you said, you're using not stock photos, but you're using these great rich photos of the people you serve and what you guys do. So it does really stand out. So well done on that. Like that was really, really yeah. good. And yeah. And then you were also um, talking about like where you're, where you're comfortable in social media. And I think that's kind of just important to kind of touch on for a second, because a lot of people I'm like, um, as soon as I heard you mentioned TikTok, I was like, Oh no, <laughs> it's like another platform. Like, right. You know, so we get caught in the trap of following, um, you know, what's the big thing, but it's, you're right. You don't want to burn your resources, like what your people know how to handle, let them do and let them do well. And the other thing is, do you guys also hang out there? Cause those are some where your donors hang out. Like, did you guys ever look at like, age brackets or where your donors are from to kind of say, okay, we're going to hang out where they are. Do that come into effect at all? Um, so actually one of the things that we're doing right now, thanks to a grant is we're trying to be more strategic with our social media. And so um, we've hired someone to kind of look at the analytics and sort of help us, you know, you know, read those and figure out, you know, who are we reaching? Are these the people that we want to reach? Um, so that's kind of in the process right now. Um, our branding is changing a little bit because we're, we're trying to figure out like templates and things. So we're trying to uh, okay. figure out a way to make things easier. Right. So instead of, you know, having, 
we don't have a social media um, person on staff. Mm -hmm. So it's all kind of, you know, staff is just like learning as they go. Um, so, you know, we're, we're working through that right now and trying to figure out an easy way to make sure that our messages get across and that, mm -hmm. you know, we're putting out good and positive information and that, you know, it really is kind of hitting those target demographics that we're trying to reach. So, um, uh, and a big reason why is because uh, with COVID-19 and the pandemic, um, there's a big push to be doing things virtually. And right. um, we've been kind of writing into a lot of our grants and into some of the contracts is that, you know, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing uh, social media campaigns um, right. through our, through our, um, our different channels. And uh, with that, we, we need to know that we're hitting those, those target demographics. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to be able to prove that, you know, with the, with the data, right. That, you know, this is how many people we've reached. This is how old they said they were <laughs> when they made the account. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. You know, um, this is, you know, the region. So, um, you know, that's, you know, one of the things that we're really focusing on and improving is, is that since, you know, a virtual presence is very important right now. Right. No, and I'm glad you mentioned that because you're, it's true. And a lot of people, we just, you know, maybe, and I've been guilty of this too, you're just putting stuff out on social media without taking the time to like review the data, right? And to see, well, is this really working? And, you know, really looking at where your resources of your time and your money and your, you know, everything is going, right? So if you're putting ads out, like, are you really putting ads out to the right people who would be giving or who would be beneficiaries, like whatever angle you're looking at, right? Trying to develop. So it's really important to track your data. And so I'm I'm really glad you guys are doing that and that you got a grant to help you with that. Like how fantastic is that? So that's, yes. and, yeah. And the secret always is, is to just like write those sort of things wherever you can, yep. <laughs> just, you know, you know, and, and it, it's, um, right now we have a consultant who's kind of going to measure all of those, um, analytics for us for now. Right. And then, you know, it, it's something that as we kind of go through things and, and see what he presents to us, you know, we can look to see, is this something that we need in house, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, a, a, a virtual presence is so, so key now that it, it might be worth investing in you know, training somebody in-house to sort of do these things. So that's, oh, nice. you know, another thing that we're looking at. Yeah. No, and I, I like that you mentioned that because you're, you, so now you have a consultant. So on that hand, you're able to invest with somebody, right? To, without having that long-term, like, I got to meet payroll kind of like thing, right? So I think that's good that you're testing it out to see, okay, how much of an impact is this going to have? And then do we transition it into full-time or hire someone full-time, right? So that's a really yes. good move on your behalf on how to do that. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's something you can always think yeah. of. It's not just hire somebody, like don't just get out there and hire a bunch of people to do work that you think that needs to get done. It's, you can use consultants, right? So, <clears throat> excuse me. And that can help you mitigate your cost, right? And your, your commitment and all of that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because, you know, um, when it comes to being grant funded, it's, it's, you're only hired as long as there, that grant is available. So, yeah. you know, instead of, instead of kind of hiring someone and training them, um, you know, now we we will kind of be able to test that water to see is this something that we're going to really need mm -hmm. and and something that we should really invest in you know okay, you no know, we, we we kind of had a similar approach to what you were talking about earlier is hey like we just need a presence 
Mm -hmm. you know, and that's okay when you're first starting out, we just need a presence. Yep. So like, let's just keep, you know, like, let's have daily posts, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a little, it's a little stressful. You're just like, okay, like put out a picture of a kid and then just be like, you know, something about mentoring. Um, yeah. but you know, as you <laughs> lead it back to the website, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, all of my staff, you know, there are some that are young and a little bit more social media savvy and then some that aren't. And, um, you know, as we kind of get further into it now we're looking at, okay, so we, we definitely have a presence now. Let's, let's make it strategic. I love that. Yeah, that's great. So, um, and just speaking of COVID too, of course, you know, that's right. We need to cover that. And I, I like what you're talking about as far as, you know, things are more virtual. You guys were already, you know, looking at that and kind of, um, expecting the world to be more virtual, even without this pandemic. So kind of preparing in that way. So, um, but at the same time, a lot of your programs are one-on-one and this is mentoring. This is helping people out that, you know, they might be in a high need situation. Like you have to still physically go there um, or physically, you know, are you doing online stuff or a combination or, you know, how are you guys kind of doing that so you can still serve your beneficiaries? Um, so right now it's sort of a combination. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the mentoring side and kind of the community family side where we go out and we do um, activities with the kids and workshops with the kids, um, all of those have stopped, um, mm-hmm. but we are looking at starting them back up in July, which is mm-hmm. tomorrow, <laughs> but uh, next week, Monday. <laughs> yep, yep. So next week, Monday, but you know, um, of course, to sort of really ensure the safety of both our staff and uh, the youth and the families that we serve, um, we're only going to be bringing back specific workshops and in controlled environments. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, uh, we've been working on our policies and procedures about how we're going to go about that um, so that you know the staff is, knows that they are taking the most precaution and that the families know that we have their um, best interests in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we will be starting to do um, some of our outreaches in uh, the public housing areas where we'll be having small uh, classes mm-hmm. um, and um, also uh, the Micronesian Resource Center, uh, their office is open to the public by appointment only right now. So okay. um, they've been helping a lot of people kind of fill out those um, pandemic unemployment assistance applications and any other public benefits uh, applications that they're interested in kind of filing for. Um, like I mentioned before, you know, we've been helping about 120 people per week, you know, That's in amazing. our limited office space. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so, you know, of course we have, you know, the thermometer to check. We do, mm-hmm. uh, we have the sneeze guards in place when they come in um, for appointments, masks, hand mm-hmm. sanitizer. So, you know, we're really trying to ensure the safety of everybody. Um, also, we will start holding or we'll start going out into the community to see um, the people who, you know, still need help applying for all of these things, but didn't right. have transportation to get there. Yeah. So um, starting next week, starting in July, um, there will be, you know, our, we have a mobile van. It's a little oh, office. Great. Yeah. It's so cute. Um, <laughs> I yeah, see it around so sometimes. Have, yeah. yeah. It's called the mobile access to information, the mm-hmm. my van. And so that will be kind of going out into the different neighborhoods, you know, first the ones that we regularly serve. And then, mm-hmm. you know, as we kind of hear about the need, we'll go into those different neighborhoods to make sure that, you know, everybody who needs assistance is, is getting it. 
Mm -hmm. um, but we've already actually started one of our virtual workshops. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we do a parenting workshop. And so that parenting workshop was the first workshop that we sort of launched virtually, which happened last week, Thursday. Oh, nice. So, um, you know, we're, we're in the process of, you know, modifying all of our workshops to be held virtually. Mm -hmm. for those who can avail it. Um, but of course, you know, our, our target population has always been those who have limited access to, you know, uh, internet, to phones, to transportation. So um, although we are going to have everything available virtually and we will be conducting them virtually, we will still, um, you know, in July kind of look at, you know, we'll, do, we'll definitely do another needs assessment as we kind of go out into the community and say, hey, you know, what, what are some of the things that you guys need right now? What kind of workshops are you looking at? Mm -hmm. um, so those will still be held in person. Um, yeah, no, I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. And like you said, you have to reach your beneficiaries to where they're at. So it's important to go out there and to talk to them and to ask them what they need. And I, I love that you do that because that's all part of strategic planning as well, right? So a lot of the yeah. different things that you're talking about is like, we have to plan and we're you know doing these different things with this end result in mind. It's just not like doing the same old things, do the same old thing, but really rethinking how you're going to do it. Um, so that's super important. Um, yeah, so just can you, um, say then how like as you're navigating through all of this right in the last couple of years like what are some things that have just been um, you know maybe challenges and if you had to find innovative solutions to um, and you've been able to garner that from you know some of the planning putting planning in place or you know what I mean some kind of strategies um, okay so this isn't real this is kind of a little bit different than maybe what you're looking for, mm -hmm. no, but for <laughs> one of the most um, interesting aspects of my job when I first came on was dealing with HR issues. Ah, okay. Yep. Yeah. Wearing all so, the hats, so, right? Yes. So mm -hmm. um, I'm also the um, hire, you know, hiring manager <laughs> and um, yep. HR person. Mm -hmm. So, um, and needless to say, I have zero experience in HR. Mm -hmm. um, Quick side note, I actually got my degree in film, so oh, I wow. have a bachelor's in fine art, mm -hmm. so absolutely zero. Idea like, I'll make a of production of hiring someone. <laughs> 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 yeah, so zero experience with HR, so that's mm -hmm. kind of been like always the most interesting part is just, you know, um, dealing with different people's issues um, in the office and I'm very lucky to have um, previous board members and also friends who are in HR or, or have previously been in HR to kind of tap on so it's like um, I guess with any sort of challenge it's knowing your resources and not being afraid to ask for assistance when you need it. You know, um, I, I feel like as a nonprofit, sometimes you're afraid to ask people for things because you're always asking people for things. You know, mm -hmm. you're asking mm -hmm. for donations, you're asking for their time, you're asking for money. And, <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to tap people out, um, you know, kind of that donor fatigue. But, you know, I think it's important to realize that a lot of times people do want to help you and, you know, they will help you where you can and know your resources and know that, you know, you can ask people, you know, 
questions a lot of the time and they're more than happy to kind of help you out with any sort of situation. So I love that. That is golden. I mean, yeah. And, and that's funny because in a way that you're talking about HR, because it's something that we've been talking a lot about in different circles with the nonprofits that I work with. And it's like, what do you need to have more of right now? Like learn more of, and a lot of them are like HR and especially, you know, with everything that's going on right now. Right. So it's like, that's a tricky subject, but it's, it's, I think it's for a lot of us, cause just, you know, you get thrown into executive director, right? You're an executive director and now you're wearing the hat of HR, you're wearing the hat of marketing, you're wearing the hat, you know, a lot of these different hats. And that's how a lot of executive directors operate without the training. Right. And so, and so I love that you don't necessarily need to have the training previously, like you're saying, you need to have the connections and the resources to help you figure out what to do and to, then you can get kind of trained with that. So that's wonderful. So were you able to use then, it sounds like you're able to use some of your board members kind of like mentors or sponsors to kind of help you uh, learn how to navigate through some situations. Yeah, so um, one of the other things that I did when I started was um, our board had gotten a little bit smaller mm-hmm. and um, we, you know, a lot of the people had been on the board forever like I I have board members who were like for over 10 years on our board because our you know our 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 articles of incorporation our bylaws have no um, you know time limit for how long you can be on the board okay no terms and so what I did was I kind of revitalize the board by um, recruiting a bunch of, you know, uh, new people onto it. And Mm -hmm. so, and with the new people, it kind of energized the older ones who were on the board as well, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so um, kind of surrounding yourself with a really good board, you know, that is excited to, and like, you know, wants to help is, is really important. And so I was really lucky to Kind of be able to put together the board that um, I have today. They they're great. They're very supportive. They're you know they're always excited about you know the things um, that I'm I present to them. So, That's so good. Um, yeah, and you know, and whenever I kind of ask them for advice about certain things, you know, they're more than happy to to help me out with that. Right. I think that's one of the most important things of a nonprofit actually is having a, a good working board, you know, that can really be supportive and, and step into that. So that's because they can also help with funding, right, with uh, strategic partnerships, with all of that stuff that's really important um, for and then you can run the program. So you know, and manage everything. So it's really important to have that kind of, you know, that overseeing guidance, right. Um, but yeah, so as you're wearing many hats, as you mentioned, um, as an executive director in a small nonprofit, um, what are some words of wisdom that you can give for time management or program management that might help other people, um, you know, thrive and that, you know, that might be struggling with that? Okay. Um, so actually we hold an annual retreat, um, Okay, two years in a row now since I've been here. <laughs> but um, so it's an annual retreat with the staff. Um, sometimes the board members come in um, during lunchtime or they give help out by like giving different presentations. Um, but actually at the end of this last, um, you know, retreat, it was like, you know, what do you want to learn more about? And time management was kind of, you know, on everybody's um, mm-hmm. top of their list. Right. And um, so I've actually, I've actually been kind of like 
trying to figure out, you know, how do I help everybody sort of manage their time a little bit better and, you know, accomplish things. And so some of the things that I, I tell my staff and I try to practice myself is really, you know, um, understanding your boundaries and you don't have to say yes to everything, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I know that my staff sees me say yes to almost everything <laughs> because, you know, I'm always, you know, I, I always want to take advantage of an opportunity, mm-hmm. but, you know, um, you know, I really emphasize with them, you know, I don't want anybody to be burnt out. Right. You know, I don't want anyone mm-hmm. to be burnt out um, with nonprofit. And, you know, sometimes you don't have those typical eight to five hours. Right. And so I leave a lot of flexibility with my staff where it's like, okay, like, you know, I understand that maybe um, because of, you know, a client's schedule, you have to see them after five. So, you know, work out with your manager, you know, what's going to kind of make sense for you schedule wise. Right. You know, if you need to take a little time here or there, if you need to have a mental health day, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's fine. Communicate that with, to us. You know, mm-hmm. I, the last thing that I want is for my team to be burnt out and discouraged and not want to do the work. I want to mm-hmm. keep that passion alive in them. Um, so saying no to, to things is okay. Um, always creating, you know, always anticipate that whatever you are going to do is going to take 30 minutes to an hour longer than you think. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, you, you're like, Oh, I have a meeting. They said it's like three to four. Okay. Uh, I can take like a four 30 call somewhere else. No, like that's probably a bad idea. Because, you know, like the the chit chat after the meeting or the meeting started a little later than we anticipated or there's traffic, you know, you know, create space for yourself. Don't don't pack your schedule so crazy that you're not going to be able to make it to the next thing, because I always kind of emphasize you need to be on time for everything. Mm -hmm. And so don't set yourself up for disaster by scheduling something, you know, 30 minutes after your last meeting, you know, probably even an hour after your last meeting isn't a good idea. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, just create more time. Like everything is just going to take more time than you think it's going to take. And then sort of like the last thing that I've been really pushing with everybody is to do lists. I love to-do lists and mm-hmm. um, not only creating to-do lists, but right now I've been kind of suggesting to everyone to create like Evernote. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm a big yeah. fan of Evernote. Okay. Um, I'm like, your to-do list will follow you everywhere. You're never going to lose that piece of paper. You know, like if, yeah. you, if you have it on there, if you change computers, you'll still be able to find your to-do list, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of, using Evernote. And then also when you're creating those lists of to do, what I like to do is um, create today, um, you know, immediate, like right this second needs to get done sometime this week, um, you know, someday. (laughs) (laughs) The different levels of like things to do and kind of um, I also in my to do's, I put, okay, follow up with this person on this date. Right. Um, yeah. So kind of, you know, and setting, setting deadlines is very important as well. So mm-hmm. when I give out a task, I don't say, Hey, can you get this done? I right. say, Hey, I need this done, you know, Bye. by Wednesday. Yeah. 
Yeah, because yeah. you know, if you don't give people a deadline, they don't understand it. If there is an urgency, they're like, okay, like well, I guess I'll get to it whenever I have time. Right. And so just kind of really clearly defining your expectations and and the timeline for when you need things done. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had everybody um, create action plans for all of the workshops that we have. Anything that we do, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we need to create an action plan, and that's really so that if we ever want to hold this again, we already know all of the steps that need to be taken. We just, you know, delete the dates and the names and, you know, I love decide that. who's going to be responsible and when, when it's going to be done. Mm-hmm. That way, you know, um, if there is turnover, uh, somebody can pick up this action plan and do the program without a problem. So. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, those are great. Like SOPs, right? You're just like, here it is. It's already created now. You already did it. You know, you need to do this three days out or a week out or two months out. Right. Yeah. So, and that's good. So how are you guys doing? And those are great tips. I love them. Um, how are you guys doing then as far as let's pivot to funding real quick? Like, you know, that's what a lot of people are saying. They're like, okay, nonprofits, we're in a tight place right now. You guys have some grants. So that's fantastic. Um, but at the same time, looking at donors, are you guys coming up with new strategies as you end Enter into the last part of or the last half of 2020 and knowing that 2021 might look a little bit different from your corporate or your individual donors are you um yes so what kind of plans are you guys developing for that so um initially we had been kind of thinking so august is when uh, the micronesian resource center typically has its 5k so that's one of you know Mm, our revenue um building activities, our fundraising activities. Um, So we were kind of considering, oh, like, why don't we do a telethon? And then sort of as we continue to to go through the months, you know, we're thinking, you know, right now might not be the best time to kind of be doing these fundraising activities. So it's going to be more of like talking to our board and seeing sort of like what they, you know, what they're going to kind of suggest at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone on our board is in the business community, mm-hmm. so they're going to kind of have a better idea of, is this a good idea to um, solicit or to do a donation drive? We're doing okay right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we did receive over, um, a little over $200,000 in CARES Act funding for nice. some of our programs. Great. So, um we're doing, we're doing okay. Um, we've, we've gotten donations from some of our sponsors as well, um, mm-hmm. specifically for COVID um, recovery efforts. We're not quite sure if we want to sort of tap on our donors and our sponsors. And, you know, and we even got like a $100 donation from someone who had volunteered with us and was just saying like, you know, and they had such kind words, mm-hmm. you know, and so... Mm-hmm. Yes, we want to let people know that, you know, we are accepting donations and that everything helps, but mm-hmm. we're still kind of in that deciding factor. Are we going to actively do something that's going to be requesting money of people? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we are looking at doing is doing a donation drive for um, school supplies and hygiene um, supplies for youth as they go back into school. Nice. But um, yeah. when it comes to tapping on our donors, it's more of like, hey, would you be willing to kind of have the box that we're, we're going to set up? You know, mm-hmm. would you be able to, you know, let us set up a box to receive donations? Right. At you know, at your place of business. So mm-hmm. it's 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 more of like finding ways to kind of 
ask for things from your donors that's not a big ask. It's like small right. ask. Yeah, no, I like that. And then what's needed. So it's going directly to this program that's definitely needed, right? Those um, yeah. kids are going to need those things. So I love that. And then also, are you now aggressively going after more grants or looking at doing that as well? Since that's kind of a different, you know, piece of cake, right? Than your sponsors or your, your donors, your individual donors. Yes. So um, we have been going after a bunch of different grants. Mm -hmm. um, nothing way out of the ordinary that, that we typically do. Mm -hmm. But, you, you know, um, I'm always subscribed to grants.gov. So I'm always right. kind of mm -hmm. skimming and seeing like what's going to match what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, but it's been interesting because a lot of the CARES Act funding, if you're not like specifically tied into that government agency already, you mm -hmm. wouldn't exactly know that they have that available. Oh, so okay. um, it was mm -hmm. just kind of lucky that the, uh, the two agencies that we did receive funding from were tied into and we had kind of like, you know, seen in like an email chain that, you know, they do have this available for certain things, mm -hmm. but you have to send them a proposal mm -hmm. um, about, you know, it's not even like a full proposal. It's more of like a letter of interest right. or, you know, talking to like the grant manager first saying, this is what we're interested in doing. Should mm -hmm. we submit or not? And then they kind of tell you yes or no. Great, great. So just keeping eyes on the ball too, to see what's going on and with your partners, that goes back to your partners and everything in the community. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Right. I mean, we, we've also kind of seen, um, you know, other donations in, in other ways, like um, our landlord donated the unit next to us so that we're able to expand our office um, oh, so nice. that we'll be able to, we'll be able to kind of see more people um, by mm -hmm. appointment. And so, I mean, I, you, it's about being creative about what you're going to ask for right now. Right. So, you know, like uh, um, we asked for space and then from one of our other um, board members, we said, hey, like, do you guys have any furniture? And, mm -hmm. you know, some organizations are downsizing their offices um, because they need to create space for social distancing. So they're mm -hmm. trying to get rid of a lot of furniture. So, you know, kind of like asking for those those small things that it's not monetary, but like it's saving you a lot of money. Right. Um, it yeah. is, is very helpful. Yeah. It reduces your expenses. So those are monies that you would have spent, right? Or you could have spent yeah. and now you don't have to. So yeah, that's fantastic. So you guys are doing great work. Once again, I just, I love your organization. It really, you know, you're out there in the community doing so many different things. I'm so glad that you're able just to, you know, you're, you're operating, you're keeping operating, you're expanding. I mean, this is fantastic. And yeah. So any, any final words of wisdom and please also let people know where they can find you. Okay. Um, just, uh, I guess, good luck to everybody out there in the nonprofit community. Yeah. Um, now is the the time to, you know, kind of solidify those partnerships. You know, it doesn't mean that, that you're going to be asking for money, but just keeping them updated and understanding that, you know, some of the regular donors that you have may be struggling right now, but, you know, keeping them connected to your nonprofit will, you know, kind of help them through this time as well and kind of seeing the, you know, what you're doing Mm -hmm. will, you know, it'll bring light to their life as well. And then also, you know, um, if you have the capacity to um, chase those grants right now, because you don't know if there's some organizations that just aren't submitting that regularly submit because they just don't have the capacity to at this moment. There's other things, you know, that they need to take care of that there's not anybody who can kind of take care of that grant writing right now. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm seeing that a lot. So I second that, like go out there, submit to grants. Like even if you're not used to it, like go, because um, even as a grant reviewer, they're not, they're reaching out. Like I had a lot of people, I do a lot of grant reviewing. And um, even this year they're like, you're on the list, but we didn't receive enough applications. So we don't need you this year. And it was like, wow. So I was seeing the kind of, you know, the spin out from that. So I'm recommending that's what I'm working to nonprofits apply for grants, right? So you might not see your corporate sponsors as much this year, but you could receive a lot more grant money. So that could be a way to, you know, get money in the door through that way. So I think that's fantastic. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so this is fantastic. And then just once again, everything um, Samantha was talking about today, it goes back to planning, right? Like you have to kind of, you have to think about it. You have to come up with these strategies. And I was like applauding you guys in my mind, as you said, yeah, we meet every year and we do a retreat. I mean, that's so important. So just pulling that together now, right? Like you guys can pull that together and figure out like, wait a second, we have this 5k usually in two months, but that's not going to happen. So what else can happen? What makes sense? And let's start thinking and being creative and going back to our needs assessment and going out there and asking people what they need and making sure it makes everything makes sense and it works together. So I just, I love yeah. that your brain works like that and that you're able to get the resources to implement those things, right? And just to keep doing that, because that's what I think separates you from maybe a nonprofit that's just struggling right now, right? You know what I mean? So I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then also I forgot to mention this earlier, but um, whenever I do the staff retreats, I always go back to sort of the curriculum from your strategic planning Aww. and say, okay, what parts of this um, are applicable? So we kind of, um, we don't do a SWAT every year, but you know, we kind of pull the, the different things, um, especially like the goals yep. and objectives. You know, I always kind of pull from that when it comes time to kind of build our retreat and make sure that we're, you know, thinking about the health of the nonprofit and planning for the next year. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. I can't wait to see what you guys do. Keep me updated on what you guys decide to do as your main um, fundraiser or different fundraisers, fundraisers, however that kind of like um, happens, what you guys come up with. And I will be more than happy to help promote it and to check it out. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Yes. And then, okay, so you can find um, our organization, Manyetlu, um, at uh, manyetlu.org. That's M-A-N-E-L-U dot org. Um, and then from there, you'll be able to find all of our social media pages. Um, we have an Instagram, we have Facebook, we have YouTube, we have an inactive Twitter. So don't, don't <laughs> about that one. We're, we're working on it. We're trying to, we're still trying to figure out the, the Twitter, um, but Instagram, mm -hmm. Facebook, um, we're super active. And then we actually have a segment called Nenny News right now. And it's uh, kind of connecting kids um, mm -hmm. by kind of showing them, you know, what kids are doing to stay happy and healthy while they're at home. And then also kind of providing them information about, you know, things that are happening, things that are changing in the world that could be affecting them. Um, so oh, you can so check cool. that out on YouTube. That's awesome. So on YouTube. So once again, um, it's M-A-N-E-L-U dot org. Please check it out. It's a beautiful website. They're doing amazing work. Um, if you're wearing the hat, the many hats that an executive director may wear, um, you can always reach out to Samantha there. You can find her information. And also, yeah, let us know how you like this um, podcast um, and any other ideas that you guys have on operating. So thanks again, Samantha, for coming on the show. I yes, totally enjoyed thank this Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's so been a pleasure. Great.
Do you want to join the Changemaker Tribe and get courses, downloadable checklists, samples of awarded grants, behind-the-scenes live Q&A with myself and the Tribe, and discounts on grant services? Be sure to join the Changemaker membership at www.grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash membership. Thank you for listening to this Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time. For more questions, email Holly at holly at grantwritingandfunding.com or visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com. 